thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Amen. Wonderful job, boys and girls. Wonderful, wonderful job. Oh, my. See, I've already seen it. And still, I told the earlier crowd when I hit my 30s, my hormones started getting off. And man, I don't know that you can present it any better than what we just saw with those kids. I want to say a special thank you to my my wife, Erin, her entire Connect Kids ministry team. Hey, and I want to say this uh, if you're a parent or grandparent, who were in that little bit of a weird place, you were here for the first one, and you don't want to stay to hear me preach again, you are welcome to leave. Thank you so much for being here. I will dismiss you right now. And uh, not everybody, okay? Not everybody leave. Oh, but hey, thank you. I already wiped them all off. I might need that later. Hey, what a beautiful job, our boys and girls. They have worked tirelessly, and our team have worked tirelessly for a long time to be able to present just a beautiful, a a powerful reminder of what this season is all about. You know, I think of uh, 3 John chapter 1, verse 4, as I watched our kids sing about Jesus, where John writes, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I don't know that there's outside of Jesus a greater hallelujah than that. You see, what a joy it is seeing children sing about about Jesus. And why is it? Because we know as parents and grandparents and church that although we live in a weary world, the very one our children can rejoice in is Jesus Christ. And by the way, he can help you and I to rejoice too. You know, we do live in a weary world. Last week, we talked about what it was to move from weary to wonder in Christ this season. Also last week, speaking of a weary world, we were able to pay the medical debt of 789 people through our Good Hope Mountain Shepherd Clinic just right down the road. And to pay the medical debt of 789 people. And the question has been asked to me, why did we do that? Because it's our heart as a church that in this season to do what we can to bring just a little bit of joy, a little bit of Christmas to 789 people and in a tangible way remind them that God sees them, that God cares for them, and that God loves them. You see, we live in a weary world, but we serve a God who's a dealer in joy. A God who's a dealer in joy. Just this past weekend, in the cloak of darkness, tornadoes broke out across six or seven states. Devastating homes and businesses and destroying lives. I heard one report of a tornado that was on the ground for over 200 miles. We live in a weary world but let me remind you as our boys and girls did in our presentation today that though we live in a weary world we serve a God who's a dealer in joy C.S. Lewis would say this joy is the serious business of heaven but the question comes what kind of joy do we find at Christmas now first here's what I want us to talk about for a moment I want to talk about the everyday 
ordinary joys of life. You know, there's everyday ordinary joy that you and I know. We know this is God created a world in Genesis 1.31 and 2.9 that he calls very good. And even though this world is scarred by sin, is sullied by weariness, there are everyday ordinary joys to be found. There's the joy found in the shining spectacle of a, a sunrise or a sunset. Maybe the joy found in a painted sky at dawn or dusk. There's everyday ordinary joy found gazing into a starry sky at night. I think about the joy of friendship, the joy of marriage, the joy of our, our children, our church family. For some, joy is tasted in a fresh cup of coffee in the morning. How many amens do we have? See, y'all are addicts. Y'all need to get work on that, okay? Y'all need some help there. But joy can also be found in a meal prepared in love and shared with loved ones. God has gifted us with everyday ordinary joys that can be found in his creation and also found in his goodness to his creation. James 1.17 would remind us this, that every good and perfect gift comes from who? It comes from the Lord, doesn't it? comes from above. Every day, ordinary joys. This past week, my boy and I, Bennett, y'all know this, children just carry diseases. It's just unbelievable. We got four of them, so we got four times the diseases in our home. And so me and Bennett started passing this little sickness around this week. And about midweek, I mean, it just got ugly. It just, it was, it was hard. I'd woken up at 5 o'clock that morning, had a Bible study at Cracker Barrel, and had worked through the day till 5 p.m., and then at 5.30 would have to leave my house to go to another set of meetings, and man, by the time I got home at 5 o'clock, I was just, I was zapped. I was done. And so I had the kids, I'd pick them up around school and had them there at the house, and uh, man, I looked at my daughters and said, girls, hey, Bennett, daddy's got to lay down for a minute. So I just went to my bed. And I crashed and I laid down, set my alarm for 30 minutes, and man, just completely went to sleep. Well, when my alarm rang, I was awakened and I, uh, I looked over to my nightstand and I found an orange piece of construction paper that my daughter had drawn on. And talk about everyday ordinary joys. Here's what she wrote. She said, I love you, dear dad. I hope you feel better. I want to do a prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you this day for this day, and I pray that my dad feels better. Amen. Love you, Dad, from Avery. And I love this. You are the best and sweet and kind. And you know what she did to sweeten the deal? She taped my favorite snacks on either side. <laughs> That's how she knew I'd read the thing. And so, uh, man, I just think about the everyday, ordinary joy of life. You see, the word joy dominates the Christmas scene, doesn't it? It adorns our, our Christmas presentations, our ornaments, our signs, our, our songs, our Christmas sweaters, and our speech during the Christmas season. But I want you to hear me. Joy alone is not synonymous with Christmas. And here's what I mean. Take a moment, if you would, and let's go back to that cold, dark night in Bethlehem. On that first Christmas where God would invite the most unlikely of guests to be the first to see his son, his newborn king. So in Luke chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, go there. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I can't read it as good as those, those kids did, but I'll do my best. Listen to what the Bible says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were terrified, verse 10, but 
The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause, watch this, great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. Hey, did you catch it? The good news? That Christmas is not a season of, of joy, but Christmas is a season of great joy. Not an ordinary joy, but an extraordinary joy. Not a normal joy, but an extraordinarily supernatural joy. Not just a everyday joy but an unexpected joy. Such joy, by the way, that's the normal response to my messages, uh, such great joy that even astrologers from the east came and they marveled at this child. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10 says this. When they saw the star, watch this, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. From the star of God to the very Son of God, Christmas is marked by great joy. I read an article this past week from Desiring God, and the author noted this. The English word joy is found over 200 times in Scripture, in the Bible. But the phrasing, the wording, great joy, is reserved just for a handful of times. And he wrote this. Joy is the stuff of every day. Great joy is kept for the highest of moments. Can I tell you something about this great joy? Can I tell you something about this Jesus lying in a manger and what he desires in your life today is that he desires to move you and I from weary to rejoicing. From weary to rejoicing. Rejoicing over the truth found in John chapter 1, verse 14, which tells us on that first Christmas that God, through Jesus, made his dwelling among us. As Dominic said last week, Christmas marks the time where Jesus moved into the neighborhood. And when he did, it was accompanied by great joy. You may ask, what is, what is this Christian joy you speak of? Well, here's my definition. Christian joy is a deep-seated happiness and peace within the heart and the life of a believer that is not conditioned on, on outside circumstance, rather the presence inwardly of Christ. I love how one author put it. He said, joy, now listen closely, joy is the flag which is flown from the castle of the heart when the king is in residence there. Isn't that good? Hey, can I ask you, what flag is flying over your heart today? Is the flag of joy flying over the castle of your heart this morning? You see, I think of the Christmas message that really Jesus is our great joy. He's the highest moment of our joy. He's the strongest motivation of our joy. He's the deepest source of our joy. He's the fiercest proponent of our joy. But the question comes as one pastor posted it. Where is joy found? He would say, not in unbelief. Voltaire, an infidel of the most pronounced type, he said, wrote this, I wish I had never been born. Where is joy found? Not in pleasure. Lord Byron lived a life of pleasure if anyone did. And he wrote this, the worm, disease, and grief are mine alone. Where is joy found? Not in money. 
Where we find even in the story of Jay Gould, an American millionaire who had plenty of it. When dying, he said this, I suppose I'm the most miserable man on the earth. Where is joy found? Not in power and glory. Alexander the Great, who had conquered most of the known world at his time, having done so, wept in his tent, saying there are no more worlds to conquer. Where then is real joy found? Where is great joy found? In Jesus and in Jesus alone. The news of Jesus born in a manger, God's own son, the promised Messiah, the promised king, the savior of the world was good news of great joy. But catch this for all people. Not just some people, but Luke 2.10 says this, for all people. Here at Christmas time, great joy is for all people, but not all people want the great joy that is Jesus. It is our heart as believers, as a church, that all people everywhere will find joy in Jesus and make Jesus their greatest joy. But we are keenly aware most people will not. How do we know this is true? Because we know the tendency in our own hearts to make someone or something a greater joy in our life. Than Jesus. We see that own tendency in our lives. And that is exactly why, as was depicted behind me, it's exactly why we need Jesus. Why he moved into the neighborhood, as Hebrews 12, 2 teaches us, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, we find that it was for his joy, Scripture says, the joy set before him, that he endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You ready? Let me remind you of something today. You are Jesus' greatest joy. If you struggle like me at any time in your life, you wonder if you ever measure up. Am I good enough, Dad? Am I good enough, husband? Good enough, pastor, preacher? I don't know if you ever struggle in that. But the message of Christmas reminds us that Jesus, to Jesus, you and I, are his greatest joy. The reason he moved in to the neighborhood, the reason he, he clothed himself in flesh, he lived and died only to empty a grave. Why? To fill our hearts with great joy, to move us from weary to rejoicing. Billy Sunday said it best this way, a pastor from a couple generations ago. He said, if you have no joy in your life, there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. Hey, can I ask you something? Hey, where's that leak coming from? Where, where's that leak of joy coming from in your heart and life? Do you even know where it's coming from? Have you thought through that? I, I begin to think in my own life. What is it that causes this leaking of joy from even my own life? And, and I'm going to tell you a great cause of that sin. But let me remind you something about sin. Sin always causes joy. To leak from a believer's heart and a believer's life. How about situations and circumstances, even those that are outside of our control? But situations and circumstances in life that have punched a hole in the very joy in your life. Maybe tragedy, death, disease, financial hardship. 
broken relationships, broken dreams, broken lives, depression and anxiety and fear, situations and circumstances that before long have caused our joy to begin to leak. How about this? For some of us, someone else has caused a leaking in our joy. Someone else has brought about it. You've been hurt so badly. You've been hurt so deeply that that person has caused a hole from which your joy is leaking. The presentation the kids gave today, the very heart behind Christmas is this invitation to let Jesus fix the leak and to fill your life with his great joy. Again, Jesus said in John 15, 11, I have told you this so that my joy, watch this, may be in you and your joy may be complete. A, a complete joy, not just an everyday, ordinary kind of joy, but a great joy that is complete, Christ-centered and introduced in the form of a child. On that first Christmas morning. And let me remind you something real quick about this joy that Jesus promises the believer. You ready? Jesus said emphatically in John 16, 22, you ready? No one will take your joy from you. So here's what we have, you ready? So to sin that seeks to rob the believer of your joy, simply say no, repent and remind sin, you cannot steal my joy. To the situation or circumstance that seeks to destroy your joy. Simply declare your joy is dependent on Christ and Christ alone and not them. And for the person who wants to take your joy, uh-uh. No. It is not yours for the taking. My greatest joy is Jesus and no one will take my joy from me. In John 16, Jesus promised that no one can take your joy from you. And if the Bible teaches it, and Jesus said it, church, I believe it. I believe it today. And here's what else we find about this great joy at Christmas. That Christmas time is not the only time that we see this great joy in Scripture. We see great joy again in the New Testament at the discovery of Jesus' empty tomb in Matthew 28 eight. The Bible says, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear, and watch this, and with great joy and ran to tell the disciples. There's great joy at Jesus' ascension into heaven in Luke 24, 52. And they worshipped him, the Bible says, and returned to Jerusalem with what? Great joy. And then again, we see great joy as the gospel spreads outside of Jerusalem and begins to impact cities and communities and churches around the world. In Acts 8, 8, so there was great joy in that city. I want you to hear me, church. Great joy is not just a proclamation of angels or the praise of wise men. Great joy is a person, and his name is Jesus. And hear me today. He wants to move you from weary to rejoicing. You might say, well, hey, Anthony, what does it mean to rejoice? Where does rejoicing come from? How is it that a person rejoices? You see this, when Jesus fills you with his great joy on the inside, rejoicing is what flows on the outside in every arena of our lives. 
When Jesus gives you that complete joy and fills that joy, that great joy in on the inside of your life, rejoicing is what flows out of your heart and of your life. Great joy is found in Christ and Christ alone. Long ago, as legend would have it, there ruled in Persia a wise and good king. He loved his people, and he wanted to know how they lived. He wanted to know about all their hardships. And so often he dressed in the clothes of a working man or a beggar. He went to the homes of the poor. And no one he visited knew that he was their ruler. One time he visited a very poor man who lived in a cellar. The king ate the same coarse food as the man. He spoke cheerful and kindful words to him. And then he left. Later, he visited the poor man again, but this time he disclosed, disclosed to him, hey, I am your king. The king thought the man surely would ask for a gift or a favor. But listen to the, the words of this poor man who lived in that cellar. He said to the king, you left your palace and your glory to visit me in this dark, dreary place. You ate the coarse food I ate. You brought gladness to my heart. To others, you have given your rich gifts. But to me, you have given yourself. That's exactly what Jesus did. What the boys and girls sang about. The King of all glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, came down from heaven that first Christmas and he gave himself to you and me. Hey, talk about great joy. Such truth can move a weary world, a weary, a weary man, a weary woman, a weary child to rejoicing. You see, that's at the very heart of Christmas. That God in the flesh, Jesus, desires to move you and I from weary to rejoicing. Let's pray together, can we? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.